it's a very unique bond that I think we have with our fans. And as a player, you feel bad when you let them down. They bleed purple just like we do. And I think the players understand that. I think they recognize that. And I, I think that's, that's what keeps them going. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw, inside TCO Studios at Winter Park with a really cool show coming up for you tonight. It's going to feature legendary former linebacker and current Vikings personnel guru, Scott Studwell. He is our guest on tonight's show. We're excited to bring you our interview with him. It's actually so good and so long, it's a two-part interview Two consecutive Skull Stories episodes with Scott Studwell, the first one tonight. But first, a word on your current Minnesota Vikings. They were winners on Thanksgiving Day, 30-23 to over the Detroit Lions. They moved to 9-2, and a three-game lead in the NFC North with five games to play, the next one being at the Atlanta Falcons. That game is on Sunday kickoff, noon Central Time. You can hear the game, of course, on the Vikings Radio Network. Now let's get to the show tonight. It's Scott Studwell time. Such a great topic in Vikings history. It took two of us to tackle the issue. The second one, our very own Craig Peters at the Vikings Entertainment Network, who is the lead dog on all of our written content, stories on the website, publications, and much more. Craig and I had a moment to sit down with Scott and chat with him about a lot of different topics. And Craig, it was super interesting to get a few minutes of Scott's in what is a very busy time on his calendar. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. And I mean, his his perspective is so great from the time he came in as a player in 77, uh, working his way up. You know, we had some great uh, linebackers and defenders that he could learn from right away, and he he really uh, talked about that. It was kind of fun to visualize him back in the day, and then he became such a leader on this the heart and soul of of a defense a lot of times that and was accompanied by other talented guys too. Yeah, and and over the course of the next two weeks on school stories, you know, fans and listeners are going to hear about Scott transitioning from his great playing career that would have landed him in the Ring of Honor as a player transitioning into the role as a scout for the Minnesota Vikings and now being in the in the front office that part's going to come the scouting part is going to come next week this episode tonight is really going to focus on his time as a player and um, his life at Winter Park since we're going to be leaving Winter Park uh, very soon and some some more of the early part of his career one or two things that you took from the conversation that you think fans will find noteworthy tonight I thought it was great the way that uh, he learned from – he talked so much about the influence of Jeff Seaman and, and how much um, benefit it was to come into an established defense and and really work his way up. A ninth-round pick. I mean, the ninth round isn't even part of the draft now. Yeah. Um, but that also um, shed light to kind of his appreciation for guys that work for the results that they get. Yeah. Um, and Scott likened his career arc to one of a current member of the Minnesota Vikings. So to hear that, stay tuned. You will hear Scott compare himself to someone who's currently playing for the Vikings. But last note before we get into the conversation with Scott, Craig, the desk at which Scott sits here at Winter Park. He has a cool story about that. Oh, that's fantastic. He, he, he tapped on it a couple times. I mean, yeah. solid wood, nothing fake about it. Yeah. It's got scars and, and scratches and dents, and it, it goes all the way back to Jerry Reichow, right. uh, which it's amazing because Reichow transitioned from 
highly esteemed player to a legendary scout. Skull Stories producer Nate Vaughn has so much good stuff, he wants us to stop talking and throw it to the Studwell interview. So we're going to do that right now. Okay. Here's Scott Studwell. All right. All right. So you've been at this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. When you I think have. about when you were drafted and you think about what it's like now, what are some of the biggest changes? Well, you know, I mean, just the the, the industry as a whole has, has changed dramatically. You know, I mean, um, when I came up here in, in 1977, um, you know, we 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 stayed at the old Holiday Inn over by the old by the old Met, and everybody bussed down to Mankato the next day, and we were there for almost seven weeks. And you know, and we didn't have a facility. You know, the football office was over on France Avenue. We had to practice at the old Midway Stadium in St. Paul until the Twins got out of the old Met, and it, it was. Uh, it was a little simpler time then. It was probably a simpler game. Um, uh, the game has evolved tremendously. Uh, the business has evolved uh, unbelievably, and the players have evolved. You know, it's it's um, it's a lot more flash today than it used to be. Uh, it was a lot simpler back in the day, um, but it's you know it's still a it's still a great game. It, it's the the business side of it is is unbelievable uh, uh the amount of money that the <clears throat> owners are making and the players are making and the, uh, it's just evolved tremendously um it's just been fun to be a part of it for you know 41 years i think for people who um appreciate you and know you you know they associate you with your just your style and your persona with how it used to be um the the black and blue the blue collar the old school and all that but here here you are still succeeding and thriving and helping the organization in the new school time so how have you how have you kept your passion for it despite all of the changes that have happened well you, you know I think it's 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 and I, and I've said this numerous times and and there's there's you know this has always been um, a labor of love for me. I mean, it's from the minute I got here and, and, and made the team as a rookie and until today. I mean, it's it's. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, uh, I've been so lucky to have have played here and stayed here and and come back to work here and be a part of um, you know a lot of a lot of great memories. And certainly a lot of bad memories as well. But um, I mean, I just—I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, I'm so appreciative to everybody that I've been with, that I've worked with, that I've—that have mentored me, that have coached me, that have taught me. That you know, just—I've been very lucky. I mean, uh, and I can't—I don't know why. Why I why I was here picked to do this job or why I was here for 41 years or whatever the case may be, but you, you know I thank my lucky stars that I have been. When when did you kind of take on the the Viking persona and that that kind of become intertwined with your identity? You know, I mean, I th I think the the thing that was 
really beneficial um, for me is is coming in here as as a young player and being around the icons of not only the league but for this organization. You know, to, to play with Fran Tarkenton and, and Jim Marshall and Alan Page and, and Mick Tinglehoff and Wally Hilgenberg and Jeff Seaman and, I mean, the list, Paul Krause, and the, the list goes on and on. If I left somebody out, I, I apologize. But, you know, I mean, that's, you know, there's how many Hall of Famers in that group? Four or five Hall of Famers and, and obviously get coached by Bud and Burnsy and that stuff, it, it rubs off on you. And it, I learned at a very young age uh, how, how important this job is and how important, you know, there's obviously life outside of football, but it just, it was always kind of somewhat ingrained uh, in my personality and, and even more so when I, once I got here. And, you know, I mean, to get paid to play a game that you love playing is, is it, not many people get that opportunity. So um, being around here as long as I've been around here, it, it, it just it, it, it rubbed off on me and it became a part of who I am. And, and hopefully I can pass that on to the, to the next generation. When you're a current player or coach, you know, you're very focused on what is right in front of you so the next game and I think you get taught and you get good at ignoring the pomp and circumstance and media and fans but when you've been here for more than three or four decades you know you're able to kind of take all that in and you you appreciate the fans and you embrace that probably and you have relationships with people who cover the team so talk about that part of it for you what you think about Vikings fans and the way they cheer for the team and what they've been through with the team and kind of how they're involved with the Viking identity. You, you know they're um, they're they're very unique from a standpoint of uh, to be as supportive as they have been and 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 there's been a lot of success here. I mean you you know regardless of the fact that that you haven't won the, uh, a championship and you haven't brought that big trophy home yet and you but you've been there. And you've been close, and you've uh, and you've put a lot of very good product on the field, and you've given them a lot of uh, things to cheer about. So you know, there's a there used to be a very close um, intimacy with the with the fans and the players when I first started playing, because you know, at the old Met, it was. It was a different era, and you know we'd spend two hours outside in the parking lot with mingling with the fans after the game. So um, it was a little different situation back then. But it's just you know they've they've suffered as well as they've suffered along with us. They've they've uh, they've cheered along with us. They've you know they they keep coming back because. They love this organization and they love this football team and they, you know, they, they want to see this championship and everybody does, obviously, but they've been tremendous. Um, and as a player, uh, you, you know, you feel bad when you let them down and because they're, they, you know, they don't put the sweat in, but they put the heart and soul into it. So it's, it's, you know, they, they bleed purple just like we do. And so it's, it's, 
it's it's a very unique um, bond that I think we have with our fans and um, you know and that's they're the ones that pay the check you know and so if you let them down you, you not only do you let yourself down you let your teammates down but you're letting your fans down as well so and I think the players understand that I think they recognize that and I, I think that's that's what keeps them going all right great stuff from Scott Studwell and we have more coming up after this break but before we go a programming note, join host Mike Musman along with Jeremiah Searles at JJ's Clubhouse in Golden Valley on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. And for more from Scott Studwell, stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Wabi. Skull Stories is happening before we get back to our conversation with Scott Studwell. Be the first to know breaking Vikings news, access video on demand, and get ticket alerts all on your phone with the Minnesota Vikings app. Download today in the App Store and Google Play. Also, do you know someone with a heart of a Viking who deserves to go to Super Bowl 52? Share their story and help us honor the most deserving fans in our community with a pair of tickets to Super Bowl 52. Nominate fans at vikings.com slash heartofaviking or use the hashtag heartofaviking on social media. All right, let's get back to work. You're going to hear from Scott Studwell right now. Pete Bursich, um, before calling the game, was telling me that, you know, Greg Minuski was the guy when Pete was a rookie, he was like, you know, Greg made my life hell. Like, he was really tough on me, and he sort of, you know, um, showed me the ropes and um, was that guy who was always there giving me a hard time but was doing it, kind of taking me under his wing in, in that type of way. Was there anyone like that for you when you started or were you like that to anyone else toward the end of your career? Do you remember anything about that? Well, you know, I, uh, like I said, when I, when I first got here, you know, they had a veteran linebacking core. Um, you know, Matt Blair was here and, and Fred McNeil and Jeff Seaman and Wally Hilgenberg. And I learned a, a, a ton from Jeff. Jeff was, was a mentor. He was a teacher for me. He was, a, uh, you know, he was a great player, a, a great, even better person. Um, and Wally was kind of the same way, but in a different way. Um, uh, Wally was kind of like Minuski was to, to Pete. Um, uh, he made life a little harder on me than Jeff did, but but I mean those were guys that, that I could look up to and that I could talk to and that I had good relationships with, and 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 so you know you know I guess from that standpoint um, those would have been the two guys, and obviously Matt as well. Um, but you know, and then I hopefully I I was able to help players like Ray Barry and Mark Dusbabic and you know some of the younger guys. Um, Mike Merriweather and the guys that I played with, um, uh, you know, just because of my experience and and hopefully pass some of that same stuff down to them uh, to, to make their lives a little easier between the lines. Twenty-four tackles in in one game. That what what is that like during the game? Was that like the next day? <laughs> well, I probably feel them more today than I did back then. But it's, you know, I, I, I mean, 
I don't know. It was just that that's what we did. I mean, that's what I was got paid to do. I mean, I, it was, you know, it wasn't ever a goal. It wasn't ever a, you know, I I wasn't into breaking records. I wasn't into setting records. I wasn't that it was all about winning the game, but it doesn't matter how you win it. It just what matters is that you win it. And um, you know, it's not about the uh, the the Pro Bowls and the All Pros, and the, it's about winning, and it's about getting in the playoffs, and it's about having a shot at the Super Bowl. So, you know, I mean, it's yeah. There's better days than than good days and bad days, and and um, you know, uh, fortunately for me, they back when I was playing, people ran the ball. A lot more yeah. than they do today. So, yeah. you know, so I mean, it's those opportunities were presented themselves a lot more than they do today. So, now I couldn't tackle Barry Sanders twenty-four times in a game, but yeah. Well, who were you tackling that day? I can't remember. Okay, to be honest, but yeah, it was the Lions. That was a long oh, time. Was the Lions? Yeah, it was okay. the Lions. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, nineteen eighty-five. Well, I have to think. I mean, I know that you're probably. Um, you know, a perfectionist, and you you held yourself to a high standard. But like, you you played, you had so many good games. I mean, were do you remember coaches just ripping into you the day after games, or were you like the guy on the team that never made any errors? Like, I think Harrison Smith right now like never makes any mistakes, but I'm sure Zim finds things you know to to point out to him. Like were there coaches that were that were hard on you, or do you remember just skating through Mondays after games, you know, having a great grade for your performance? Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I, I know there were games, some games that, that I'd like a do over. Yeah. Um, that and 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 typically, you know, when you when you have a game like that, or you have, it, it's it's really more from a rather than physically making mistakes is probably more from a mental preparation uh, an emotional preparation uh, for some reason you're just not you're not you didn't prepare yourself mentally uh, for the game and and you know I mean I was I would like to think that I was as hard on myself than any coach could be. So, you know, and, and I prided myself on, on not making mental mistakes. And, you know, I, I, I always knew that there are, I'm going to get beat physically at, at times. But, you know, so uh, it, it's, it's um, and that if any time I would get criticized or any time I did make mistakes, you have to own it because if you don't own it, you're not going to you're not going to get any better. And, and so, you know, I accepted it. Uh, I deserved it. And when I, when, I, uh, when I got those kind of corrections and I got those, and, and there were times that, you know, um, some people had to help me out trying to keep, my, keep me on the right path and, and, you know, kind of keep me going. But it's, it's I mean, that's all part of it. It's kind of hard to imagine after watching some some video clips, uh, but I, I read that you were a little bit undersized going into high school, I believe, and then you had a couple positions at Illinois before really settling in at linebacker. Uh, ninth round pick, uh, the ninth round isn't even part of the draft now. So how does that 
uh, push you in the, the efforts to, to mine the, the late round talent and identify and realize either late rounders or UDFAs um, that can really play this game at this level? Well, you know, I think it's given me an, an appreciation for maybe being overlooked a little bit. Um, but that, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And, 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 and I tell these players uh, all the time that regardless of whether you're a first-round pick or you're a priority free agent or you're a low-level free agent, as long as you get your foot in the door and, and you're, you, you go to camp, you got a chance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't start counting and don't look at the numbers and don't look, you know, just do what you do. And, uh, you know, and, and I was probably fortunate a little bit. Um, you know, we, we had two veteran linebackers, uh, one of them retired a lot or not. Uh, Roy Winston retired the year before I got drafted. Um, there was another veteran linebacker in front of me. He got cut about three or four weeks into the preseason, you know, so, I mean, I was, now whether it was because what I was doing or because what he was doing wasn't good enough, but, you know, you know, I got the, I got the chance, I had the opening and, you know, and, and kind of ran with it, but especially today with the practice squads and, the, and 32 teams and there's a lot of jobs available and, a lot of a lot of times these kids just have to be in the right place at the right time and look at Adam Thielen. I mean he's a perfect perfect example of a kid that got overlooked. He 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 went through the ranks, he he worked his tail off and and look at where he is today. So it's it's interesting because you were here when the Vikings moved into Winter Park. You're here when we're preparing for our new home. What what comes to your mind when when you think of this building and the memories you've you've made here <laughs> this place has been around for a while was it 36 years you know it was probably a state-of-the-art building at, at yeah. the time um and it was really the only facility that 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 we ever we had had up you know because i mean we were we were um gypsies up until we mm-hmm. built this place and you know, so so back then it was, you know, I mean it was it was pretty nice digs, you know. I mean we had we finally had our own practice fields, we finally had our own weight room, we finally had our own bubble outside, we finally had you know football offices and business offices and you know so I mean and they've they've done a great job holding this place together for for the last thirty five years, but. You know, it's it's starting to show its wear and tear a little bit, and it's it's you know I've loved it because I live five minutes away or ten minutes away, and um, I'm not really looking forward to that commute every day. But you know, and I have not been to the new facility, um, but you know, from everything I've seen, it looks unbelievably uh, state of the art, uh, a beautiful complex, um, and. Uh, you know they've held this place together, and it's it's got a lot of good memories in it. But yeah. um, maybe it's time to go. You knocked on wood uh, during the conversation, and I was just wondering: is this desk original to Winter Park? I mean, do you know? Uh, you know, I think it is, yeah. and I, I inherited this desk from um, 
this was Jerry Reichow's desk. Wow. How about that? Uh, when, when he was still working here in the building. And um, he, w when I came on here full time in um, June of 91, Jerry left and he, he left me with this desk and he, uh, his plant. Okay. And he had a, he had some kind of plant in this in this I can't remember what what kind of plant it was, but it, you didn't have to water it. So, it, I mean, I had it in here forever, for a long, long time. And it wasn't actually this office because, you know, they condensed all these offices when they added on the the okay. the uh, kitchen and the indoor and the. Um, so I so I got his desk and his chair and his plant, and he said, "Here you go, boy." <laughs> I'm at it. What what kind of plant doesn't need to be watered? I, need I don't some know. It's some kind of big big fern or something. I, I would know. call them cactus, right? It, it maybe that's what, that I, what I don't was. remember. But <laughs> those are the only ones. I mean, I you had to water it every once in a while, but oh. it, it, it didn't take a lot of maintenance. So. Okay. Well, that, that's quite a bit of work that's been accomplished on this desk over the years. Then, yeah, it really has. I mean, th this this desk probably weighs about eight hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's I don't know. It's a great desk, but yeah, there's a lot of history here. Okay, so that's the halfway point of our conversation with Scott Studwell. Lots of good stuff coming up in next week's episode of Skull Stories with Scott. Craig, you're still here with us. What are we going to hear from Scott next week that you found interesting as we focus on him transitioning into the front office for the Vikings? Well, you'll get to hear tale of his first ever time on the road yep. uh, out out west, he says. Mm -hmm. um, not really uh, far west, but uh, it, was, it was a journey for sure. Yes. And we joke around with him saying if he could make it through that scouting trip, the Vikings knew that he would be able to, to cut it as a scout in the NFL. So joking around with him about that. Also some really nice things that he has to say um, about head coach Mike Zimmer, about some, some former Vikings, many of whom are fan favorites. So really a fun conversation coming up next week with Scott Studwell as well. It's a big matchup between a couple of heavy hitters in the NFC. And the game is Sunday at noon. You will hear it right here on the Vikings Radio Network and KFAN. Paul Allen will have the call with Pete Bursich in the booth, Greg Coleman and Ben Lieber on the sidelines. Mike Musman will have the pregame show that will begin at 10 a.m. Central Time. On behalf of Scott Studwell, also Craig Peters, and Skull Stories producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw, signing off for now. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening.